Introducing Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. This podcast is for parents who long to be meaningfully connected to themselves and their children, even as the demands of modern life are accelerated. Enjoy a collection of supportive conversations, meditations, and nuggets of practical wisdom to help you embrace the parenting journey as your greatest potential for personal growth. Welcome to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World. I'm your host, Michelle Gale, and I'm here today in person with my friend and colleague, George Taylor. George is a marriage and family therapist. He has had a practice doing couples counseling since 1991. He's really excited about people living more vibrant, authentic lives. And he recently published a book called A Path for Couples, where he shares stories and practices for mindful communication. So you can see where we're going in this episode into the world of relationships. Welcome, George. Thank you, Michelle. You know, you can say one of the great cultural changes in the last 30 or 40 years has been the focus on mindfulness and how mindfulness can affect parenting, how mindfulness can affect communications between couples. And so I see Michelle as a pioneer and a transformational agent in this world, bringing mindfulness to parenting. So it's, it's thrilling to be here to talk to parents and couples that want to be involved in this process together. So what Michelle was asking earlier was about my book. And the book is intended to help people live more authentic, more vital, more vibrant lives in a committed relationship, in a relationship where there's truth, where there's mindfulness, and where there's an attention to what are we trying to accomplish in this relationship uh, that has to do with the power of intention. So uh, the book contains practices uh, and tools and thoughts from my 25 years as a counselor, and we're here today to talk more in more detail about mindfulness authentic communication and parenting. Yeah, I know. I'm so excited. And I, I know that, you know, we were talking before we, we started recording and there's just so much territory here. We'll only get to cover a little bit of it while we're together. But I know, um, I really believe what we're going to share today will be really supportive for, for our listeners out there and being able to have, um, you know, deeper, deeper communication and, and more authentic relationships. So, you know, I'd love for you to start by talking about, you know, what you notice the effects of mindfulness are um, on, on, and good communication is on families and on children. What do you notice in in your private practice and working with people? Well, of course, you know, because I'm a couples counselor, I've, I've had hundreds, thousands maybe of conversations about parenting with couples. And the first thing I wanted to say is that, you know, parents have this incredibly deep desire. It's like a basic biological drive to love and care for their children. And so I think with the whole aspect of mindfulness, there's a a new way to be a a more loving, more conscious, uh, more powerful parent. And so as most parents know, attention within the couple leads to tension within the kids. And Mm -hmm. kids act out a lot of tension between partners. So that's kind of a, a, a truism. We all know about that. But if you bring the aspect of mindfulness and, and authentic communication into your relationship, then your children receive a gift. Your children receive a powerful gift, which is they see you, they learn from you that paying attention to your communications, paying attention to your reactions is good. It's healthy. They're not going to learn that at school. 
unless you send them to a special school. So, so that is a gift of, of, of more thoughtful, more powerful, more mindful parenting. And the impacts on the children are last for decades, last their entire lives. Mm. The idea that um, mindfulness and better communication lead to better lives. So that's, you know, parents, I think parents give the most amazing gifts of service, of love, of appreciation, of, of care to their kids. And this is one more gift that, that parents have the opportunity to give. Mm, that's really beautiful. So what I'm hearing you say um, a bit is that as parents work on their own communication and their own relationship, yeah. right, just that just kind of children learn naturally in that way. You know, there's not even anything you have to do specifically for your kids, although we do, but you really, it just, it just kind of ekes over into. Yeah. Well, that's, that goes to one of the most powerful uh, thoughts I think about consciousness work or mindfulness work is that, is that nobody comes into like a Buddhist meditation retreat or at a couple's counseling room. I just want this for myself. I just want to have this healing or have this awakening or have this mindfulness just for myself. Of course, in couples counseling, you want it for your partner. And then it naturally spills over into your uh, parents, your relationship with your parents, your relationship as a parent, your friends, your siblings, Mm -hmm. your colleagues and all of that. So there's something about mindfulness. It's almost like it wants to spread itself out. Mm -hmm. We don't just go, now I'm mindful and the heck with the rest of (laughs) it. So, so that, that just as kids can be vectors for uh, anxiety or tension in a relationship, they are also receiving such mm. profound teachings around mindfulness. And there have been so many stories. Uh, parents come in and their kids are acting out because they can feel the tension. But after a couple of months of practice with authentic communication, uh, with, with emotional sharing on a deeper level, they come in and they go, oh, our kids are, our kids are acting a lot better too. And I go, yeah, 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 that's what you should expect. Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's really beautiful. You know, and I tell parents that often, like, you know, when when I do coaching, you know, just leave the kids alone. (laughs) Just more, let's let's focus on ourselves, right? We focus on ourselves first. You know, I know at the beginning of the book, you talk about... um, you know, two very specific practices that you suggest. I'd love for you to talk to that a little bit so our listeners can kind of hear the practicality of it. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I see with with, uh, parenting, of course, it's so engrossing. It takes every moment of attention. And that that attention is focused on a small person who you're trying desperately to keep alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a huge responsibility. So in, in a way, you get habituated when your children are very little to focus over there, to focus on that third person that's come into the relationship. And most parents know that in the first couple of years, their relationship is going to suffer. They're not going to have the same kind of emotional bond that they had before the child was born. So I think what, what parents need after a certain stage of development is to start remembering the power of their own loving relationship and why that's important to the child. Mm-hmm. So in the book, um, there's, there's a couple, it starts with a couple of very basic practices. Um, uh, one of which is a simple meditation, just sitting down at the end of the day together after the kids are in bed and, and meditating for a couple of minutes, just watching your breath and, and doing other very simple mindfulness practices is inherently bonding. It reminds you that you have a connection that's outside of these children that you're raising together. So that's one really important practice that's described in in the book. And it's also for people, couples that have busy lives, you know, they're running around. When do they actually connect with each other? 
So uh, that's practice one. And then the practice two is just a very simple formula for appreciating each other. You start with a simple breath meditation, and then there's a little formula for saying, you know, this is what I really appreciate about you. And it's been so amazing in a couple sessions that when somebody goes through that little formula, oftentimes the, the other person in the room, the other person in the couple will say, I haven't heard you say something like that for years. Mm. You know, as we get busy, we get a little um, separated in our emotional connection and we don't use these basic communication skills. So those are two, both of those practices you can do in other under 10 minutes. And if you do those a couple times a week without your kids, you know, in the room, focusing on a relationship, then you'll start to build that floor, that, that resilience of connection and love and then that makes all parenting and other choices easier. It's mm. a lot easier if you feel loved, if you feel, yeah. feel deeply supported. And if you, um, you know, let's say a parent uh, couple in the evening is doing a short meditation together and they are appreciating each other. What are some other things? Let's say they want to, they're like, you know, we love doing this and maybe we'll do this, you know, once a week or a few times a week for yeah. 30 minutes. What are some other prompts? Like what are the things that you suggest they share during those times where they're putting intentional mm. intimacy into their relationship? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, what happens uh, in the book, there's a formula for the appreciations. It's like one, one thing you can think about is what do they do for you? What do they do for your family? And do you really give them that feeling of appreciation or gratitude for what they do? And then another level of that. It's, it's a practice you could do on a different day or a different week. Um, what about, what is it in their character? Like that behavior, that mm. taking care of the kids or taking the trash out or recycling is an expression of some deeper value, some essential part of their character. And people love to be seen in that way, in their, yeah. their depth of their character, not just thanks for taking out the garbage, but that always means something. That yeah. always comes out of some deep instinct. Mm. So... Um, and then there's a whole set of practices in the book which are around intention. And what I've noticed, uh, it, simple, is that people have these profound intentions when they get married or when they make some kind of a commitment ceremony, but they don't ever refer back to them. Mm. They don't go back and go, hey, what did we promise? Yeah, like, why did we do this? Two years ago. <laughs> why did I do this with you? <laughs> yeah, so, so in the book, there's a set of six intentions, and there's a real simple mm. intentions practice. So I'll just say a couple of them out loud. I'm willing to create a safe, loving relationship with you. Mm. I guarantee if you said that in a deep way to your partner once a week for a year, your relationship would transform. Because then you start to get on the same page like, oh, safe. Am I speaking to you in a way that creates safety? Am I speaking to you in a way that creates a loving relationship? So um, there's a whole set of like basic intentions in the book. And it, the last one, uh, another powerful one, is I'm willing to have a happy, creative life with you. Mm. A very basic intention, but do you articulate that? Do you think about that during the day? Do you mm. say, let's align around this. Let's energetically, physically, emotionally align around all this. Mm. So what I just said, and I just said all that in three minutes, but if you repeat those intentions, and that's why the book is called A Path for Couples, 10 Practices. Because we don't, uh, we don't heal quickly. We wish we could. If, if there were pills for this, Michelle and I wouldn't have a job. Right. 
<laughs> so, yeah. so you have to attend, and that's what mindfulness is. It's like not mindfulness today. It's mindfulness tomorrow and the day after, next week. Because don't forget, your kids are going to be in your house most likely for a long time. Yeah. So mindfulness is like parenting. It's just a ritual, rigorous, disciplined effort. Yeah. And so uh, the practices, Deborah and I, my wife and I have done these practices literally hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Wow, beautiful. Because our, uh, and, and I like to say, I've said before, if Deborah and I can be trained, so can you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it takes. It takes that effort. It takes a rigorous, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be conscious every day, but during the day, I'm thinking, how can I make my relationship safe? How can I make it loving? And are my thoughts contributing to that? Are my reactions, my responses contributing to that? Yeah. So it feels like this practice of mindfulness is, you know, can be very core to being able to have these lasting relationships and these deeper relationships. You know, maybe somebody's listening and they don't have a mindfulness practice, but they're interested in having one. Um, So they're, you know, what, what it sounds like is that being able to know your mind a little bit and to be able, you said something earlier when we were talking, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we were talking about how, oh, you know, if we don't notice that we're stressed or that we're annoyed by our partner, right? It just kind of comes out in behavior, Yeah. but we yeah. can't ever get ahead of it. Yeah. Well, a, a, a client like last month said something really powerful about that. You know, they, they were having a parenting dispute and, um, you know, they were both activated, triggered and critical. I mean, it's a common moment. We all know these moments, but uh, so my job is is to apply communication skills and apply mindfulness to those moments and ask them, well, okay, yeah, you got frustrated, you got uh, activated, you got stimulated. What was really happening for you? Let's mm-hmm. go beyond the fact that you were yelling at each other. We'll go beyond the fact. There was some behavior that's predictable. There was some need or longing that you had that you felt was being threatened. So there's a whole series of inquiries that go there. And this man said, I mean, it's actually brilliant insight. He said, you know, we never revisit these situations. We're so busy with our kids. We're tired at the end of the night. We don't revisit these situations um, in this way to really try to understand like, oh, I didn't understand that that she was really longing for security. I just heard her yelling at me. You know, so there's always this deeper feeling or longing that people are having. And without some practice in expressing it, it gets hidden. It's hidden. And, you know, neurobiology research shows us that if you keep doing the same habit over and over without consciousness, you're going to keep doing the same habit. So the reactivity, the resentment is going to continue without some antidote. Mindfulness is the antidote to habituation. Mm, That's beautiful. It's the antidote. To habituation. So if we're in these patterns and these habits in our relationship that aren't serving us, right, it's dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, when we bring some mindfulness in, we become, start to become more aware of what's going on, then we can begin to unwind it. Yeah, yeah. Well, in my, uh, the first uh, several practices are also, uh, include some work on communication. And the first skill that allows you to change your communication habits is just exactly what you said self-awareness until you realize that you are feeling the same way under certain kinds of stimulation, certain kinds of reactivity, until you realize that that's your response, uh, then you really don't have much leverage to change it. Most people think of, of their, uh, their stress as coming from outside, somebody else's fault. And then I have this reaction. Yeah. 
And the problem with that vantage point is you have no leverage for change. Mm. If, the, if you're just a victim of other people's experiences, then how can you make them change? Yeah. But if you apply mindfulness to yourself, you can say, oh, what is my response? Uh, what kind of communications do I make when I'm stressed? What kind of communications do I want to make? That goes to intention. And you can begin a change process. And ideally, um, you know, the book, well, the book is called A Path for Couples because it's, it's great when two people can embrace that path and the intentions and the, uh, the standards of it. Uh, it's possible to do this by yourself because you want to change. You want to change your reactions. So yeah. mindfulness and authentic communication are the vehicles through which that change is going to occur. Yeah. I wonder also, and I'm just thinking out loud, I wonder with the book, um, how much you, a parent could use the book also for their relationship with their children, right? I know the book is focused on a path for couples, so it's about yeah. couples, but it seems like so much of the information that's in there would be relevant to the parent-child's relationship as well. Well, you, you had asked about that earlier, Michelle. You know, the um, uh, children learn by modeling. What you model to your children is what they learn. Yeah. So if they learn that, uh, that their parents can take a deep breath and, and say something vulnerable, then they're learning a whole new pathway of communication for themselves. And it's not like you have to sit them down and go, what is your most vulnerable feeling right now? Right. Because they don't learn that way. They learn by repetition, by the hundreds of repetitions where they see mommy and daddy get tense and then they resolve this and they move back into a feeling of connection. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most beautiful and powerful gifts and learnings for a child because most people repeat the patterns of separation over and over and over for decades. So what their children are learning is that that's what happens when there's conflict. Things do not get resolved. Things do not get transformed. Things do not get explored and understood. So if you can give to the child the modeling that they can use their own mindfulness, no matter how good a parents were trying to be, they're going to learn something about communication that's going to affect their relationships later. But if they can learn how to study that, and if they can learn how to be more vulnerable and authentic with that, that's a profound gift. And it's a gift that I think more and more parents are giving to their children because of the whole mindfulness uh, movement and because of work like people like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I can even, as you were talking, I was imagining, you know, you know, one of my kids coming home from school and talking about a difficult relationship they're having at school. Right. And so I will often say to them, you know, what do you think could be going on for that person? you know, right Correct. now, yeah. right? What do you know about them? Mm. Like, how were you being affected in that moment? Right. So just to give them more of that yeah. language yeah. Yeah. of, you know, what's going on for someone else and what's going on for me. And that's what you're talking about in the book. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, it's a beautiful example because, uh, you know, when, when a per, when, when a couple is in a predictable, repeated conflict, there's always a feeling of separation. Energetically, there's a feeling of disconnection, separation, resentment. But when say a little bit more about that, well, okay. Uh, what I've said to lots of couples is that they have most couples have three or four or five major conflicted topics or areas or um, processes that they go through that cause about eighty or ninety percent of their stress. Mm, interesting. 
So, so if they get to know those, that's where they can really make the most change. So we're trying to, and particularly for parents, I'm saying this not to, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, yeah. I know parents listening are like, give me like the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, how do I get the most bang for my buck? Because Absolutely. my time is so, so, yeah. so short. Yeah. So, so, I mean, there's a psychological theories about why, why that's true, but what you just said is important. Um, that if you can start bringing mindfulness to those patterns, your relationship starts to shift quickly Mm -hmm. because, and then if you go a little deeper into those patterns, they're all the same. They're all the same. Each of you has a predictable reaction to a stressor. It stimulates something in your partner then they stimulate you. And it's like this bad ping pong game. You're playing ping pong Mm -hmm. with darts and you just get more and more overstimulated at the end of that conversation, you feel separate, you feel frustrated, and if you're a little bit mindful or done some couples counseling, you go, why did I do that? So that's self-judgment. So that is a very common summary of almost all couples' patterns. Right. And the fact is, is that through mindfulness, you start understanding what is, what is triggering, just like you said in that beautiful example with your kid, what is going on in the other person that's stimulating that behavior, that's making that communication seem raw or defended or attacking or blaming what is it in that person so so in the couples counseling that you see that 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 investigation creates empathy yeah like when you can kind of go oh they're having a bad day instead of being you know jerked into your own negative response that's a huge healing Mm-hmm. And it really goes back. I mean, you know, I grew up with take a deep breath. That's just a more mindfulness is just a sophisticated way. <laughs> take yes. a deep breath. So if you start to, to watch that, uh, that, that first moment of reaction and say, oh, can I direct some empathy toward myself? I'm obviously getting really overly stimulated by something. And my, your partner is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So empathy is the natural um, effect of the application of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You kind of go, Oh, I get it. I get it. You, uh, you were afraid that the kids were going to learn something that they weren't going to be safe. Oh, okay. That's what stimulated okay. that the criticism or the judgment. Yeah. So it really wasn't about the criticism to me. It was more about where you were suffering exactly inside exactly. and you can take it a lot less personally. Yeah. And, and mindfulness needs to be applied more than once to get that. Yeah. <laughs> Darn it. Dang it. Dang it. Yeah. And also, you know, as you were saying, um, you know, darn, you know, giving yourself a hard time, like, why did I do that? You know, I feel like with the work that you do and what you would get from this book, instead of like, oh, why did I do that? There's more of a, oh, why did I do that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, there becomes this, this curiosity gets built. Yeah. 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 And that's a great word. It's it's one of the keys to the whole uh, path for couples, to the whole idea of mindfulness. Is, is what is actually happening here? I mean, it's a great question. What is actually happening here? And I can guarantee you that most of the couple's struggles that they get into, what is actually happening is very far from their consciousness. Yeah. People are not attending to their fear of safety or their fear of not, their, their kids doing the wrong thing or the fear of loss or this, uh, you know, issues around money or uh, intimacy are always at play in these apparent disputes about what time did you pick the kid up? I mean, there's always some deeper loss or feeling or need that's being activated. Yeah. And, and the predictability and the repetition is what's key to that. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're having the same repeated predictable conflict, I will guarantee you that there's some deeper 
insight or inquiry needed that will help you break that pattern. Mm, that's beautiful. And I know you lead a lot of workshops with couples and you must have parents in these workshops, I assume. I wonder, um, you know, what, what are some of your big takeaways and insights from that time? With parents. Yeah, well, I, I was thinking about that, you know, getting ready for the interview today, Michelle. You know, uh, I, it's my belief, having had probably hundreds, maybe thousands of conversations with couples about parenting, is that whatever parenting disputes you have, they're almost always come down to either a communication habit, a communication um, pattern that's painful, or a power struggle. Mm. The communication uh, comes is, is, you know, if you drill into that a little bit, communication is like, do I really feel heard right now? Mm. And before that, or deeper than that is, am I really saying what I need to say? Am I saying my deepest hope, my deepest dream, my deepest feeling? So, so that's, that's the inquiry for the, on the communication. We talked a little bit about that. But I think a lot of um, couples have, I mean, of course, they have different ideas at certain times about what's the right thing for the kid. So can you resolve that in a way that is friendly, in a way that fully takes into recognition your partner's values and your partner's needs? Or do you get triggered into some place of deficiency or reactivity and try to overwhelm them? with your viewpoint. Mm. So, but, but what I've said to couples is those communication and power struggles are already in your relationship. They're that, there. Yeah. And then, so having children just kind of amplifies it. Yeah, yeah. So really that's where the gift is, right? Cause in, in my book that's coming out, I, that really is the big aha book is that all of these struggles actually point us to where our work is right? So it seems like as I'm listening to you speak, right, these dramatized struggles that we get once we have a family and once we have kids in the mix actually help us in pointing us towards, oh, where is my relationship work? And then they can buy your book and be able to do that work. So that's a really wonderful reframe for, oh gosh, you know, everything's gotten so much harder since we have kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now actually we, we know even more specifically what work we have to do. Well, that's so important that you said that. First of all, I think that the kids get blamed for a lot of turmoil that already exists between the parents. Yeah. It's like, you didn't say that to them, right? You know, they should have done X, you know, all of that is really deflecting attention away from where the hard work really needs to be done. Wow. And what you're saying is something I've said in my book, Path for Couples, is that if you start thinking that these repetitive, stress-filled, predictable conflicts, and like I said, every couple has three or four, if you start thinking to yourself, hey, I'm in a good relationship, 60% of our relationships are working pretty well, we got the kids, we pay our bills, our lives are working pretty well, except for a couple of very specific problem areas. If you start realizing, like you just said beautifully, those are like arrows. Where do you, where does, where do I need to go for healing? Yeah. It's yeah. straight into those hard topics. Cause if you can crack the code on one of them, if you can start saying, Oh, rather than you shouldn't have done that. It's like, wow, I was afraid that Joey was going to get hurt. Then you start going, Oh, that's a safety need. How can I take care of that and engage you in that? Beautiful. And yeah. so, so the, the healing work is always on yourself. 
then it plays out with your partner. It plays out with your kids. And that idea, you know, it's, it's a massive transformational idea, which is, you know, old school, what most of us grew up with. Conflicts in these overstimulated reactive patterns just play out for decades and they lead to vast distance. That's what we see in relationship topics that cannot be talked about ever. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, whoa, that's so cool. That's so interesting. Like, why is that playing over again and again? And that's where you find the truest, deepest form of love. That's where the truest, deepest form of empathy is, right there in that mess. And that plays right into now your Now you're book. speaking my language. <laughs> Messy spirituality. Um, <laughs> mindful parenting in a Yes, mindful world. parenting in a messy world. But my messy spirituality is actually the, the last chapter in the book. Yes. To, to, to come, to come in a few months. Well, it's, we're out of time, which I can't believe it. So before we end, I want to say thank you, first of all, for being with us and for sharing all of your well-earned years of wisdom in relationship and in working with couples. And I'd also like our listeners to know how they can work with you, where they can find sure, you, sure. website, that kind of thing. Thank you. Well, A Path for Couples is the name of my website, and there's information, there's downloads of the book, uh, there's free information there, of course, and you can contact me through that. And it's also available at your local bookstores and through Amazon, um, A Path for Couples, and um, that's the name of the book and the website. And um, and if you're in the Bay Area, you do lead workshop couples, yes. yeah. um, you know, Those, cu- well, couple workshops for couples that you can do in person. Yes, that's very old school, but we do have in-person events. Yeah, why not? Why not? (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to say goodbye. Thank you, George. I really appreciate being with us. Thank you for your enthusiasm, Michelle. You're welcome. And we're signing off. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting in a Messy World with Michelle Gale. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and give us some stars and a favorable review at iTunes.